wonderful to be in the Lord's house today. We appreciate you coming and being here with us, and we're uh, grateful for the opportunity just to stand before you this morning. Let me share with you a, a prayer concern that I have. I uh, got a message this morning from my niece that her dad, who is my brother, uh, she has not seen him in two weeks, and uh, we don't know where he's at. He lives uh, between Cleveland and uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, and Dalton, Georgia, just inside the Georgia line. Uh, his apartment, uh, he had made a statement to his daughter two weeks ago that he was not going to stay there, that he didn't like the people who were running it. So uh, when she went down to check on him, found out that uh, they had moved all of his furniture out into a storage building and no one has seen him in two weeks. His name is Bobby Dunsmore. He's 75 years old. And when I saw him Christmas, he had a big, long, white beard and long, white hair. I called him Santa Claus. But uh, if anybody knows where he's at, we would letting us know. But make that a matter of prayer. God knows exactly where he is. So, This morning I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of John, chapter 18. I realize that we've been preaching out of Matthew chapter 27, but I had come to a place in Matthew where John fills in a blank. And I want us to go to John this morning and and uh, share with you from this, and then we'll go back to Matthew uh, the next time. But Jesus had been tried before Annas. He had been sent from Annas to Caiaphas, the high priest. They had had a, a uh, trial during the night, which was illegal and unusual. And then when daylight came or morning came, they had another trial to make it legal. They convicted Jesus of blasphemy. And they sent him to Pilate. And this is where we'll pick up this morning in John chapter 18, beginning in verse 28 down through 33. If you'd like to stand out of reverence to the Word of God. John tells us something that the other writers does not tell, and it's very important that we understand this. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring you against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take you him and judge him according to your law. For us to put any man to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying by what death he should die. Would you join me in prayer? 
Father, as we come before you this morning, we come to bless your name, to give you praise, to give you glory, give you honor and adoration that you and you alone are God. We stand before you this morning as a helpless child. Father, we don't know what to do or what to say, but Lord, I pray that you would just take us and use us, Lord, as you would see fit. I pray this morning that you would speak to my heart. Show me what you would have me to say, and Lord, that you would open the hearts of those who are receiving it here in this auditorium this morning, those who are listening by way of Facebook or radio, that Lord, that wherever this word goes out, that it will touch the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And we might understand the cruel punishment that Jesus went through to pay for our sin debt. And Father, we pray today for my brother. I, I don't know where he's at, but you do. And I pray, Father, that you'll keep him safe. And I pray that you'll bring him home to his family. And Lord, we just pray your will will be done. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated, please. John had a unique perspective on this. And in one place we find where John followed Jesus into the judgment hall. He was there when they judged Jesus. And evidently when they brought him to the Roman trial, that we're reading about today, that John had followed him there. We also find that John followed him all the way to the cross when the other disciples ran. And John tells us this part of the story about Pilate and how that this judgment began before him. And we might ask the question, well, who is Pilate? Well, Pilate was the procurator of Judea. I know the King James Version calls him the governor, and that's a good translation into English, but in the Roman language, he was the procurator. He was directly responsible to the emperor of Rome for the administrative and financial management of the country of Israel. He had a big job. A man had to work his way up through the political and military ranks to become a procurator. It wasn't something that was just bestowed on anyone. Pilate was an able man, experienced in the affairs of politics and government, as well as the military. He had held office for 10 years. So that shows us that he was deeply trusted by the Roman government. However, the Jews despised Pilate, and he, in turn, despised the Jews. Now, what brought all this about? Why did they despise him so? Well, he especially despised their religion, and he proved that to them every time that he would ride into Jerusalem. He did something that the other procurators had not done. Rome had what they called a standard. And we use the same one here in the United States today. That standard or that symbol 
was a gold eagle that they placed upon a pole. And every time that he came into Jerusalem, he made sure that that was displayed. This upset the Jewish people because they had been taught that you don't worship idols. The other procurators had always made room for that and when they would ride into Jerusalem. They wouldn't flaunt that before the Jewish people. But it was something that Pilate did every time that he came. The people became bitter toward him. And he became bitter toward them. A second thing that he did that angered the Jewish people, he launched a construction project of a new water supply for Jerusalem. Now it wasn't that he had this water supply built, but it's how he chose to pay for it. He took the financing out of the Jewish temple tax. Took the money that had been given to God and used it to bring this water fountain into the city there. The Jews never forgave him of that. They held it against him. They bitterly opposed Pilate throughout his reign. He treated them with equal contempt. And on several occasions, the Jewish leaders had threatened to report the Pilate to the emperor. And they had the right to do that if there was something wrong. And of course, this disturbed Pilate. And it caused him to be more bitter and more contemptuous toward the Jews. Now, with all that said, early that morning, the Bible says they led Jesus from Caiaphas unto the Hall of Judgment. The Hall of Judgment is better known as the Praetorium. This was the place that the Roman government had built in Jerusalem, that whenever a Roman official came to visit Jerusalem, that this was where they would stay. It seems that Herod was also in town at that time, and he was probably staying in the same building as Pilate. This hall of judgment, today I've stood there where it was at. It is called the pavement in another place in the Scriptures. And there's in the stones that was in the street there, There was carvings out there where the the Roman soldiers would gather and they would play games with those carvings. And this is where Jesus was brought that morning. Not into the building, but just to the building. Notice what it said. They led Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early. Remember, Jesus had been up all night. They had arrested him out there in the Garden of Gethsemane. They had led him down to Annas' house and over to Caiaphas' house. He'd been through those two trials at night. He'd been through a trial early in the morning. 
on the other side of town. And now he was brought across town to hear stand trial before Pilate. But notice what it says there in verse 28. They themselves went not into the judgment hall. The Jewish leaders, the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, the Pharisees, all of that group that had gathered together, they would not go into the hall of judgment. Why? The Bible says, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Now get the irony of this. Here they are taking the Son of God, a man who had never done any harm to anyone, who had all only did good, and every testimony that was given about him turned out to be good. But yet, they accused him of blasphemy. And blasphemy in the Old Testament, of course, was, was a, a, a crime that it was worthy of death. We'll find out about that in just a minute. But here they come bringing him to Pilate. But they refused to go in that building because they would be defiled and they would not be able to partake of the Passover meal. It was Passover time, remember? Think of the hypocrisy of that. Here on one hand, they're condemning the Son of God. On the other hand, they're being so righteous and so pious that they won't even enter a building lest they would defile themselves and they couldn't partake of the Passover meal. That's the epitome of hypocrisy. But this is what was doing. We find this over in the book of Acts chapter 10. You remember when the Lord sent Peter down to Caesarea to visit a man there that was not a Jew, but a Gentile. And you remember what is stated in that, that it was unlawful for a Jew to eat with a Gentile. But God had showed Peter that he should go. He disobeyed the Old Testament laws and he went down there and he, he took, went into the house of Cornelius and he shared Jesus with them. And that whole household was saved. They were the first Gentiles that were saved and come into the church. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, he was called before the, the council there. They were about to condemn him until he finally stands up and tells them what the Lord had showed him. But these people here, they're more concerned with their piety than they were with doing what was right. Notice what Pilate does. Pilate went out into them. They couldn't go in where Pilate was at. So Pilate goes outside, out onto the pavement. That's why it's called the pavement. 
he goes out there. Listen to what he says. What accusation bring you against this man? What are you accusing him of? You've come and you've gotten me out of bed. You're wanting me to judge this man. Now I want to know what accusation you're bringing against him. What's the charges? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a male factor, we would not have delivered him unto thee. Remember, they had charged him with blasphemy. Well, blasphemy didn't mean a, a hill of beans to a Roman procurator. He didn't mind if you blasphemed God. So they changed the charge here. Over here, he's a blasphemer. Now, he's a male factor. A male factor is someone who is evil, someone who is malicious, someone who is dangerous. They're saying, this man is a dangerous criminal. We've brought him to you. We've delivered him to you. Then said Pilate unto them, Take him and judge him according to your law. You see, the Jews had the privilege of still maintaining their laws. They were still able to go according to the laws of the Old Testament. They were still able to put people to death for certain crimes. Do you remember when they brought to Jesus a woman? And they said this woman was taken in the very act of adultery. And Jesus stooped down and he began to ride in the dust on the ground. And he looked up and he says, Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. You see, the Jews killed people by stoning them. Jesus said, you've brought this woman to me. If you're without sin, then who'll be the first one to throw a rock at her? And he kneels back down and he begins to write with his finger in the sand. And one by one, they turned and went away. I believe that they probably had come with their hands full of rocks. And as Jesus spoke those words to them, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. I wouldn't doubt if Jesus didn't hear some stones just being dropped on the pavement. And he heard footsteps as they went away. And he looks at that woman and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, no man has accused me, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But you see, I'm saying all that to prove that the Jews had the right to convict someone and even to stone them to death. 
under their own laws. But notice what they say here. Pilate said, take him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Now there's a partial truth there. When they said it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Yes, they had the right for blasphemy to put him to death. But they're not charging him with blasphemy here. They're charging him with being a convicted man, a, a, a sinner, a, an evil person, a dangerous person, a malicious person. They said, it's not lawful. Rome forbid them from putting man to death for just any sin. It's not lawful for us to put any man to death. They admit they do not have the authority to put Jesus to death. Now, the Jews stone people. Remember Philip over in the book of Acts, how he was stoned to death? Rome had a different way of putting people to death. Rome crucified people. Crucifixion was the most horrible of all deaths that man has ever conceived down through the years. It was a slow, agonizing death that many times it would take days for them to die. But Jesus had spoken about his death. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 9, or chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, Jesus prophesied about his death. Listen as I read this. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. But he doesn't end there. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And what will the Gentiles do? They will mock him. They will scourge him. And they will crucify him. But he doesn't end it there. He says, and on the third day he shall rise again. Now Jesus is telling his disciples this as they're traveling from the Galilee area down to Jerusalem. And Jesus tells them what's going to happen. The chief priests, the scribes, they will condemn me to death, he said. And they will deliver me to the Gentiles, to the Romans. And he said, they will mock me. They will scourge me. They will crucify me. But it doesn't end there. The third day, I will rise again. Now here we are. He's being delivered to the Gentiles. 
He's going to be mocked. He's going to be scourged. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be nailed to a cross and hung between the heavens and the earth. We could go into much detail on that. But what am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus was fulfilling Scripture. Jesus knew that this was God's plan. Jesus knew that He had to fulfill that plan in order that you and I might know Him as our personal Lord and Savior so that you and I might have the privilege today to come and sit in a house of worship and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we might have the right to claim eternal life with Him in heaven. Why would He do that? Why would Jesus go through such things? Why would He suffer such agony? Why would He allow that to happen? That's a question that's been asked down through the years. And there's only one answer. John 3.16 is the answer. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, I want you to know He loves you. I don't care who you are, where you are, what your name is, what you have done. He loves you. You can't escape that. He loves you. You say, I've been too bad. I've done too much. No. He loves you. He loves you. He's already paid for your sins when He died on the cross. But if you're willing to, for, uh, to come and repent of those sins and trust Him as your Lord and Savior, He's willing to forgive you of those things. He's willing to give you eternal life. He's willing to come and live in your life and be a part of your everyday life. We used to sing an old hymn about the garden. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And it goes on to say, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Has He come to live in your life? Are your sins forgiven? Are they gone? They are if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Isn't that a wonderful thing? He loves us. Why did He go to Calvary? Why was His lifeblood shed for me why did he do what mortal man had never done there's just one son I am the one he loves me he loves me Jesus loves me he loves me 
He loves me, Jesus loves me. Do you love Him? He loves you. Whether you love Him or not, but He wants you to love Him. And He wants to come and live in your life and be your Lord and your Savior. As we come with the invitation hymn this morning, I believe there's someone here today that God is knocking on your heart's door. You're very aware of the fact that He loves you. Very aware of the fact that Jesus died for you. He died in your place. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He took my sin and your sin. He died for it. He asked us to live while we stand together and bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father, I just want to thank You for that undying love that You have for us today. Thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, into this world. I can't understand it, Lord, but I believe it. Father, I pray today that those who are among us this morning and those who are listening, that, Father, that your Holy Spirit will have free reign to speak to their heart. And, Lord, may those that you're speaking to respond positively to you. May they come today and trust Jesus as their Lord and their Savior surrendering their sins and shortcomings to Him and letting Him cover them with the blood that He shed on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.